But I really, really want to find those people that are just like me who feel invisible. I'm really curious to know, what numbers do y'all look at? Which ones do you know are there and maybe think you should look at but don't? And what do you ignore? Let's go. Alec, talk to me. Uh, so I'm not really a, uh, I, I don't check my analytics every day or anything like that. And I also don't sort of pay too much attention to when you see in uh, YouTube, I'll talk about YouTube analytics, because that's the only one that I really look at. I don't look at the other platforms so much. Um, but um, yeah, when you see the sort of monthly summary, and it's, you know, usually quite a jagged little chart going up and down, um, I don't tend to pay too much attention to that one either. I will usually zoom out to maybe a 90 day, that gives me a better idea of like the recent trend, um, and then also look at the 365 and obviously further as the, the channel's got uh, older um, because that gives you a much better idea of the trend. When you're sort of hyper-focused on, you know, just the recent activity, you can seem like, oh, I've just suddenly dropped a whole load of uh, views or gone up a load, and it's not really a realistic um, uh, sort of thing to look at, I think. So I do look at the total number of views. I look at the number of subscribers, that new subscribers, I should say, um, I also look at the um, number of subscribers that I've lost as well. So you, the number that you see when you look at subscribers will be the net. Um, but in there, there's going to be new subscribers coming on and there's also going to be people dropping off. And I think that that is something that isn't necessarily immediately obvious. It's always good with YouTube to dive into the advanced analytics um, to go and drill down into the numbers uh, you know, far further and we could probably, you know, do hours on that. So I won't go into too much depth, but certainly being aware of when you've lost subscribers and what has actually caused that as well. Um, so, yeah, I found that when I did Cedar Crate every day in April, uh, although something happened mid-April that uh, sort of put, uh, <laughs> stopped me doing that, um, the uh, the first two weeks I was losing a lot of subscribers because people were getting sick of four videos a day and this constant you know the next day of cedar when they're like well what is it i'm not interested i just want you to teach me about stream deck or something like that um so yeah looking at where you're losing subscribers as well as gaining them i find that interesting i have a question though i'm kind of playing around with different ways of of producing content um i've been on a weekly schedule for a while for you know going on three years and so every week I put out a, a video on Sundays and then there are times when we blitz. So like you just mentioned CETA, um, you know, it, it's usually one of those situations where we do a blitz, where we're doing a video every day or something like that. I'm currently doing that this month. And I, I've noticed, you know, I, I, I kind of pan back a little bit and notice I'm like, OK, um, usually I can't really tell anything like you said, up close, you know, when you're looking like, oh, okay, it's been th this week or whatever, it usually takes about two weeks out. Then you really start seeing your numbers kind of rise a little bit uh, with your content. But for me, I notice depending on the topic. So like I tend to do thematic type uh, 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 education. So one month I'd have a theme of some kind or whatever. And then as the weeks go on, then I'm looking at the numbers and I know I shouldn't be looking at the numbers, but I'm just like, okay, well, this is not resonating. So it's time to pivot. And then I'm like, well, maybe it is, but then maybe it's not, you know? So then, and then my insecurities 
<laughs> Senate. And I'm like, no, you know, I, I had a plan for this. So I didn't want to like be so fickle. But at the same time, it's just kind of weird. And I don't like looking at numbers. But you get, you know, other mentors have said, you know, you got to know your numbers so that you can, you know, know what's, re- you know, what resonates with your audience. And are they interacting with you and are they doing all these different things? And so depending on what I'm doing. So if I'm doing a blitz, sometimes I notice more interactions because of I'm there more often. But then in some other times and when it's just weekly, you know, it's slow and steady. So I don't know. Uh, I, the jury's out. I it, it gives me anxiety to look at that stuff. And I really don't want to look at it. <laughs> I really don't. Rich. You, of all of us, are most consistent about shorts lately. And I'm wondering what you've learned in doing those, if, if, it, if it's changed anything in the way that you, you look at your numbers or you look at what content you should be doing next. Actually, the shorts, the vertical format shorts on Reels, TikTok, YouTube, everything, Facebook, don't do well for me the way I've been doing them, which are outtakes of our podcast. What has been doing oddly well is when I take, I do like Joe Rogan style clips where, you know, our show, we talk about four to six topics and I take those topics and I just lop off. We just, it's a three minute or a two minute chunk. And I put them up there in a separate playlist clips, but they're highly focused on one topic with one thumbnail about that one topic. And those do a whole lot better. Um, And I actually pick up subs from those. Not from the long 20-minute podcast talking about four to six things, but from the individual clips of just individual things. And they are short in that they're not long in length, but they're not vertical shorts. They're only the short ones that go on. Just, they're just short like three minutes or something. So that's, that's what I say when I say short. It's a very confusing thing to talk about. So, But I do better with those. Um, as far as looking at numbers, I don't really care. I just want stuff to be put up. I just want to figure out a faster way to do it and just do more stuff. That's really all I care about. If something, I mean, I made a stupid thing about worms falling out of the trees on my van last summer. It got 20,000 something views and like, you know, who knows what's going to hit? You don't know. Gretchen with her lobsters. I mean, it's crazy. You just never know what's going to happen. So I, I start my day out with emails about analytics on my business side. And, you know, I, uh, even there, sometimes I just ignore them because there's nothing I can do at that moment <laughs> with that data other than know that this client sent me 3,000 of these things to deal with. Okay, cool. Everything's so automated. Everything's taken care of. I now know I can move on with my day. But if I, you know, if I read it would probably take me at least an hour to go through all the data points and all the different things that I do that have reports. And I have stopped doing that. Um, You know, the only thing that I really um, keep track of is uh, my bank account. It's just, you know, making sure that dollars are coming in and dollars are going out right. And, they are, because that's the one major thing that is going to affect my life the most. I'm going to just, you know, every once in a while, just make sure that I understand where, um, 
analytics are on a website, analytics are on my Kajabi page, analytics on my YouTube page. I'll check on that once a month just to kind of get a clue. But uh, again, it's just one of those things, you know, I'll joke, let go, let God, because it's, you know, there's not much I can do at my at my level. It is what it is. Just to sort of build on that, I think that um, there is a lot that you can do. And it's important that people have an understanding of analytics. Now, it's not a case of like letting it get to you or anything like that. But I'll give you a very real example where analytics can directly impact what you are doing. And that would be with split testing of things like thumbnails, titles, descriptions, and so on, and analyzing the click-through rates you're getting. Because if you're treating this you know, as a business, as I am, uh, I'm essentially using this as my top of funnel. That's essentially what this is, um, you know, for people to come in, watch all of the free stuff on YouTube, but then ultimately be going on to buy uh, either courses or book consultations or things like that. So what you want really is the maximum number of people in at the top within limits, you know, without being uh, uh, unethical about it. But you want as many people as possible to be seeing your videos. So it's important that you know what's driving that and how many people are coming through. And I had a point where I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to change my thumbnails. I wasn't happy with the way that they looked. They were just a, an initial template that I created. And I used that for the first, I don't know, 300 videos or something like that. Um, and then at some point I thought, well, I want to change this a little bit because I thought it could be improved upon. Uh, and I created a slight variation of the design uh, that I thought looked a little bit better. Um, and I started using that, but I did some split testing with the uh, the new design versus the old one. And I thought the new version looked better. I asked some other people and they said that they thought the new one looked better as well. Um, but when I ran the split test, which is something you can do with TubeBuddy, um, the results were quite conclusive, which was that the, uh, let's say the average click-through rate on the original was maybe 5%. And then the click-through rate on the new one was 4%. And the click-through rate is how many people of the, the people that see the, the thumbnail in their feed, how many people are actually clicking on it. And you might think that 5% reducing to 4% is only a small drop. Um, but in actual fact, it's a 20% drop because it's not 1%. You're dropping 1% of 5%. So that means that uh, that thing that I thought was better um, actually was resulting in a reduction of 20% of my potential audience from that particular video just because I'd done something that I thought was better. Um, and so actually looking at the analytics in that sense can really have a massive impact some of the other changes that I've done have worked the other way where they have actually been beneficial. Um, and that's, you know, given me again, you know, maybe a, pot a potential 20% boost in, in viewers. Um, and these numbers really do matter, you know, when it comes down to that, if you're looking to use this as a top of funnel thing. Um, but they also, that thing of just sort of backing up your own opinion. Um, we might think that we know best, but actually the numbers don't really lie in terms of, you know, the number of people who are clicking through on it. There is some caveats with that. You can look at click-through rates in um, YouTube as a global thing, or you can look through specifically from click-through rate in uh, the search traffic versus the uh, the browse traffic versus, you know, they're just showing up in people's feeds. So there is an important distinction there. Um, you know, if you're looking for new, new people, you want to see where you can increase that with specifically the search, where they're searching for uh, some specific topic. But um, I, I, I think that they, it's when when I tell people don't pay uh, you know too much attention, that is like when you get people who are just constantly checking and looking at following the wrong numbers. But I think actually they can play a massive role in in growth. 
Yeah, that's a great, great point about 1% of 5% being 20. That, that, that's, mm-hmm. we, we do tend to, to miss that math. Um, Keely, I have not been ignoring the fact that you have some contribution to make here. Um, tell, me, tell me in general where, where you are with analytics and something specific I'd like to know from you as the person who has two channels that they're running. Um, how do you look at them differently across channels? That's a great question because generally, because Discord Coach is so much newer than FH Umpires, I ignore the analytics on Discord Coach. That's what I did when I started FH Umpires, and it was fantastic. I didn't even know what analytics were. You, I, I couldn't have spelt it if you'd asked me. And that just gave me the freedom to just create for enough time that I actually got my legs underneath me, I improved my sound, my lighting, my camera, my run of show, my, oh, I'm actually listening to what my audience is looking for. I'm answering their questions. I, I was I was able to focus on improving the process before I even started looking at whether the things I was doing were, were having an impact because I didn't have enough data to know what was making an impact. So what I have noticed recently is that What I've tried to focus on is only looking at the numbers when I make a substantial change and then give that some time to manifest. So instead of sort of looking from week to week, how many people are watching my live stream and how many chat engagements, I I keep a really general eye, but just don't don't really bother about it because it it doesn't, unless I change something, that doesn't change. (laughs) So, you know, insanity is the same thing and expecting different results. I expect the same results, so I don't even check. So one of the things I changed recently was in October-ish or sort of November, I started using Instagram Reels to promote my live stream. Now, when when I look at my sort of uh, customer stack and where I put the value in order to draw people to my community, my live stream's a a big portion, uh, a big part of the stack right above the social media part where I'm saying, hey, here's where I'm going to tell you all about umpiring and, hey, let's hang out for a while and be friends. And then I get them into my Discord server to really, you know, compound that relationship. And so my focus for social media is to get people to watch the live stream. Whether that's the the, the right strategy, maybe not. But what I did with reels is, oh, I twigged on, oh, I should be putting out video reels where I'm actually, um, I'm actually showing off the the video or a portion of the video that I'm going to be talking about in the live stream. And I started doing that. And just today, because I was preparing for the episode, I decided to have a look at how my reels content was doing. And what I found was when I started putting those segments of the clip of one of the clips I was going to talk about in the live stream in there, my numbers really started to pick up in terms of views. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm looking at a few, th- I, I had no idea because I don't check these things unless it's, I've let it compound for a bit. But many of these are, you know, compounded sort of uh, these these reels posts. But then what I did is I thought, okay, that that's great. How has that impacted my YouTube numbers? So I went over into my YouTube analytics and this is the same 90 day period. So I'm not looking at, like last week or 30 days, I'm looking at the last 90 days and my views are actually down. 
and my impressions are down and my click-through rates a little bit down, uh, not by much. My average view duration is probably the same. I guess what that that's what that means. And so what I'm finding is even though I'm getting more people seeing the advertisements basically for my live streams on Instagram and seeming to to like it and that's picking up momentum. It's not turning into the people that are going to come watch the live stream and then get invested in what I'm offering. So trying to tie those things together and see, is this meeting my objective is something that I'm really trying to focus on because I don't, it means nothing to me if I have any of these reels that are at 3000 views. I, I, I absolutely don't care. I, what I care about, did five new people come into my live stream this week and learn something about umpiring and think, I want more of that. I, I really need to engage more with that. You know, I think it's really, really, it's really, really hard to get somebody to move from one platform to another. I think that's what I've figured out. That is, you can't get somebody from Instagram to go to TikTok or to YouTube or what, or other way around. I just think it's hard to do. So, like you said, if you get five out of 3,000, I think that's great. I mean, it's five you didn't have. Yeah. But it, it looks like that hasn't even happened <laughs> out of this. Yeah. I'm still going to keep no doing to, it. And there's no way to yeah. track that either. You know, there's dark social where you just somebody just tells a friend about you and where there's no way to track the click or the share or whatever. So there's that. I mean, who knows? Who knows if any of it works or how, how, how well it works? Yeah, very true. And especially with areas like mine or telemedicine with Rob, I mean, we're not <laughs> we're not out there getting famous and, and building these big audiences. So the data is always going to be small. One person can change our trajectory. Five umpires could change my trajectory and how I'm doing with my community. So yeah, it's 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 interesting and but sobering to to have a look at something like that and realize the numbers don't mean shit. What we really want are the results that go with our business. So I, I hope that kind of answered the question. You mentioned something there about the the data sample size as well. And that the, that's an important thing to just reiterate is when you're doing anything like this, it needs to be statistically significant. So there's no point running a, a split test on uh, the example that I gave earlier about thumbnails and you get like two views from one and one view from another and you say, oh, well, this one's 50% better you need to have a significant sample size. And when you do that split testing in TubeBuddy, for example, you can either set the time that it's going to run for, um, but there is an option to just let it run for as long as it needs to be statistically significant. And when I've done that on a whole range of videos, some videos have been complete within a month in terms of how long, you know, how many times it's run the split test. And other ones, I'll get like a, a report maybe six months later, because it's just a view that a video that doesn't get many views and it's taken that long just to get the sample size. So that's definitely an important thing to be conscious of. And and as, as well about coming back to the data, that was part of the reason for me to do the whole, my first hundred days on YouTube, do a hundred videos, uh, because Doc had said um, that, you know, you need to have a hundred videos before you start doing anything with analytics, because you've got to have that body of, of work there to, to, to start you know, making any analysis. So I certainly did hold back on any changes or anything like that until I'd got those first hundred out there and got some significant data to be uh, working with. When you're doing your um, split test, Alec, you change a thumbnail. You don't do three things at once. You don't change a thumbnail, a title, and a description no, no. and run three different tests. At once. Yeah, you only do one thing, right? One at Def a time. Yeah, you always test one thing at a time. Yeah, sure. 
Something I've noticed, and and I think it's going to change how I approach uh, vertical video shorts on YouTube is um, the times that I've I've made a point of looking at my analytics right before I drop a short, and then maybe a week after that short drops, I've noticed that that I go from maybe sixty percent women in their forties to sixties. Um, in my in my audience, to suddenly after that that short drops, I end up with sixty percent, eighty percent men in their twenties to thirties. And for me, I'm still trying to figure out who my people are, and my gut is telling me that it's, you know, I mean, it's a cooking channel, it's gardening. My gut tells me it should be women somewhere over thirty, and that's what I get when I have long periods without shorts. Drop that short and suddenly it, it spikes in this other direction. So uh, I think I'm going to stop doing shorts unless it's really good. Um, and and I, th- I would encourage people to, to be cognizant of that. So when you do look, even if you, if you have you know, 500 subs and you've been doing this for a while... Look at that that ninety day view, like Alec mentioned, rather than the flash in the pan, because it it could send you in a different direction than you really want to be going in. Um, what was the other point I was going to make? Oh, I do look at my subs every day, just because it's now a it just what I do, but I don't really care. Um, I, I don't care what the number is going to be because it's going to be what it is. I can't change it when I'm laying there in bed at 5 a.m. looking at my phone. Can't change it. Um, But I do look at it. I wanted to be honest and admit that I do do that. Uh, Oh, that was part of the anxiety. I do the same thing, too. (laughs) But are you anxious about it? I think think that's really fascinating how you learned that you were attracting a particular demographic with shorts. And those aren't your ideal people. They're not the people who are going to come and engage with you and, you know, take your courses and grab your PDFs and do all those things and be part of your community. You know that intuitively. So you're like, that's the wrong way to grow. You could grow like that. Potentially, you could keep doing that. You can keep like, oh, oh, these guys love these shorts. But then you start meandering down a road of that's not where you want to go. So I, th- I think that's great awareness on your part and a really good reason to keep track of your, of your analytics in that sense. And then, you know, boom, yeah, you're going to go on a different pathway next. That's really cool. I found the same thing when I did a whole period of doing a lot of shorts on YouTube. And I, I, I found that there was a the much younger demographic because they're the ones watching the vertical uh, video format. Uh, incidentally, when you do click on any of the things in YouTube um, and go and look at the more information where it says see more, um, then you do have the option at the top to switch between the uh, the shorts, uh, live and so on. So you can drill down into the exact demographics of each from from that. Oh, good. That's good to know. Um, I think I, I did that when that. I did my. Oh, yeah, I, I did that when I did my blitz of shorts in December. And yeah, the, that I had the same situation. I know my target audience are female entrepreneurs from like 30 to 30 plus. I know that for a fact. But 
same. When I looked at mine, it, it was different. I had more men looking at the channel. As a matter of fact, I had more men subbing, actually. And so, which was kind of weird. It was really weird. So, um, so you know, I was like, all right, well, that's good to know. But I'm still going to be more female-centric because it's kind of, that's my demographic. That's who I talk to. But at the same time, it was, it, you know, it was good to know. It was good to know. And it makes sense, though, because, you know, guys, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that, that demographic are looking at the shorts and stuff, just just like what you said, Alex. So, um, but I still kind of want to play with vertical video. Maybe not so much on YouTube, maybe on Instagram. I want to play with vertical video there. Um, so... I decided to change my strategy a little bit. Instead of putting shorts on YouTube, I would do, you know, reels on Instagram. And so I started to do a little something this month. I'll I'll, I'll let you know how it works out. I'm just kind of like just testing the waters to kind of see, you know, what bites. There's a thing to be careful of here, which is where we say, oh, my demographic is X. And then the data is telling us something different. So when I started my channel, and I was creating tech tutorials. In my mind, I was imagining people kind of like me. That's who I was creating for, you know, because it, it's kind of like the me from two months ago. So I was just a bit further along of that that kind of thing. Um, but actually, I think that there's a point of your audience does also reveal itself to you. You might, you know, obviously with Keely, you, you're clearly a very tight niche of what you're, you're aiming for. Um, but actually, the sort of people who have ended up being my ultimate uh, like clients who are, you know, paying me for ongoing coaching and things like that, um, are in a very specific demographic, which maybe I wouldn't have necessarily assumed that that's who I was talking to from the beginning. So definitely you need to be open to the option of, I might be wrong about who is actually finding most value in my stuff. And if you are aiming at, uh, in your case, Michelle, you know, a, you're, you're aiming for the female demographic. Um, but there's lots of, because your your content isn't you know gender uh biased in any way it is just all about you know how to use these tools how to do these things and all about how to create your personal brand and so on well that's something that could just be equally applicable to uh males as much as females and if you find that you're getting a, a larger proportion of your audience you know are uh, male then I'd, i say embrace it to a point you know it's um they're, they're the people who are finding value in it regardless of age, gender, nationality, or anything like that. Um, true, true. Very true, very true. And it, it, it makes me think, it makes me think, you know, because my whole life, that's, I knew that that was what I was called to do. And it's just really interesting to see how things are panning out. Um, my my career, as far as, you know, my my, you know, some of you guys know I'm on, on a nurse in real life and uh, I've been my entire career in women's health and, you know, focused on that. And it's really interesting as I go on this content journey, sharing the things that I'm learning, because, you know, I'm like you said, you know, the me of two months ago, I didn't know this and now I know this and now I can teach someone else, you know, uh, is not gender specific, which is true. However, the I, I guess I, I will I will look at the numbers. I will not um, avoid looking at that. Um, 
no matter how <laughs> anxious it makes me. However, the demographic of people that I see and I want to elevate, mm-hmm. they're invisible. They're always invisible. They look like me. So we're here. We do the work. We do everything. But no one sees us. We are stealth. And so that's kind of why I want to focus on that, because we're invisible. And the, the part of what I want to do is to give voice to that so that you could come out of hiding and say, you know what? You don't have to be invisible. You can step out and do something. And maybe one day you may be visible. But, you know, most of the people that I'm talking to are just like me and they're invisible, but they're doing the work anyway. So I don't know. I just find it really interesting looking at these analytics to see kind of what's happening and who who my, you know, my voice is resonating with. And if it's resonating with, you know, that put, you know, a different, a different genre than I initially thought I was resonating with, then so be it. That's great. But I really, really want to find those people that are just like me, who feel invisible. I have a wish list um, analytic that I would love YouTube to give to us. And that would be, um, you know, they want us to attract people to the platform and keep people on the platform. So it'd be very interesting to me to know when I have posted about a live or a video somewhere else, you know, where are they coming from? I would really like to be able to say this video that I posted on March 3rd, um, Mm -hmm. X number of viewers or X percent of viewers came from Facebook or, you know, so you would know where to put that, uh, for lack of a better term, advertising effort in and what's working, Mm -hmm. you know, and or are they all coming from from YouTube? I know that we can see, you know, uh, the suggested or your 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 subscriptions and things like that. But it's the stuff that comes from off platform that I'd really like to be able to dive into and and understand better. Um, does anybody else have a wish list analytic? Then YouTube give us that. I thought I, I was so. just looking. Um, you, it does give you I've, sites, but not not down to the video, like specifically, so that you could track like, oh, it's from this post. I was just looking for where it is, but there is something that shows you like sites that they've come from and stuff like that. So you would be right. able to see number from Instagram, for example. Um, I think I'm not sure. Yeah, I've I've seen that because I've I've seen it before, but not specific, not not as specific as you're saying, Dina. But then again, mm. I don't. Most of the information when I do the drill down, when I go into the advanced mode in analytics, um, don't really tell me very much because my numbers are not statistically significant yet. They don't have enough data in order to tell me what I need to know. So I'm just putting out more videos to increase that number. Eventually I'll find that information, but um, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to figure out what resonates because, you know, those are the ones that get the views. So make more videos like that. I'm looking at my uh, channel analytics on the whole, how viewers find your live streams on the content tab. And alarmingly, Facebook still accounts for 35%, almost 36% of my external traffic. Google search is 22%. 
my own website 4.4, Twitter's 4.4. And I mean, that disparity between Facebook and Twitter is crazy because my number of subscribers slash followers, whatever, is about the same on those two platforms. And yet Facebook is far outperforming to send people to that actual stream. That's pretty crazy. I hate right. your Facebook. I know, I'm getting right? 76% of my viewers from external sources are coming from Google search, which kind of makes <laughs> sense. Um, that's why most, but yeah, you can, it will tell you a list of all different uh, pages and the percentages, but it's on a, uh, I don't think you can do it by time as well. So you could actually narrow the time in on the analytics to be just a specific date, I suppose. Uh, that would then tell you where they were coming from. Uh, but that's and it will give you all the number of views, the view duration as well from those as well. Um, so you can see that how many people like so people coming from uh, Google search, 76 percent. Um, and then the average view duration is three minutes, 20 uh, whereas people coming from DuckDuckGo, apparently five minutes. So, I mean, you can get into a minute detail here that's probably n not necessarily meaningful, but um, yeah, you do have all, all of that. Interestingly about the, I just mentioned the watch time. Um, if you look at my demographics, it's kind of the typical sort of bell curve with, uh, you know, starting low for the uh, 18 to 24 or whatever the age group is, um, trailing off as well at the age older age group, the 65 plus, um, and then the highest is the 45 to 55 uh, age group. But if you order the, um, the, the bar chart by the percentage of video viewed, it's a direct line, like from lowest 18 to 24 are not watching the same percentage as the 65 pluses are the ones that are actually watching the biggest percent. So... There's that little skew on it as well that, yeah, you might have a higher number of views at a particular thing, but actually it might be a slightly older group that is watching the whole video and uh, consuming everything. So just another little thing to be aware of. So the moral of the story is just make videos. Don't worry about all that stuff. No, the moral of the story is don't take everything on face value and do take account of analytics if you're trying to build a business. You can't just fly blindly just ignoring everything. <laughs> There's definitely uh, something in all of this and it's worth spending a little bit of time doing it, but with statistically significant data. I was just messing with you, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to get back to blogging and we were going to have another dust I was, up. I mean, I was like, what? yeah, let's go. Stir the pot Don't a little bit. Don't make me have Come to separate on. you guys. Well, one thing that I, I really do want it to reiterate for me is I look at the data all the time. I'm looking at all these numbers and I don't, I don't bounce around in what I'm doing based on that. You, you, the takeaway I think is look at it, be aware of what what information is available to you because I mean this is great information to help grow your business, but be mindful and um, have purpose in the changes that you make, and you know don't just follow a, a hot you know a viral type of trend. Don't don't do that. Take your time and. Um, the only way you're going to get this data is if you're creating videos. Thanks for hopping on to our Creators Pod. If you enjoyed it, we'd love if you would subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about it. Seriously, tell a friend. Check out the video version of our 
podcast on our YouTube channel, The Creators Pod. The Creators Pod is produced by C22 Media, Alec Johnson, Dina Taylor, Keely Dunn, Michelle Lawrence, Rich Graham, and me, Rob Valls. Thanks. Try not to get your dog to bark.